0: We figured out it's a trap. (laughs) Living in ease. Masha'Allah. Live, make money, enjoy yourself. And don't worry about what's going on with you or around you. Why would you want to worry about anything anyway? We think that everything is made for our comfort and for our enjoyment. That we are the special snowflakes of God's creation. Even the deen of Islam itself was made in order to make us feel better about ourselves. All of the ayat about Jannah are about us. All of the ayat of Jahannam are about somebody else. Anything that talks about Nifaq, anything that talks about Mujahada, it was revealed about something else, about somebody else, about a different time in a different place. What are we for? We are there to enjoy ourselves, we are there because God loves us. Why would He not love us? And every other person, whether they go to hell or not, it's between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We smile and smirk sarcastically, as if we're like, oh, look, ha ha ha, that's funny. But the fact of the matter is, it's, it's something that what? It's something that we've like, imbibed, we've internalized. We've made it into our own culture. Sayyidina Fudayl ibn taala. He said that the person When he says astaghfirullah While doing the sin While not stopping the sin Someone points out a sin that you're doing Or you remember a sin that you're doing I remember a sin that I'm doing And it's says astaghfirullah Allah forgive me the, When a person says astaghfirullah For a sin that they haven't yet finished That they're still continuing And they still have the niyyah to continue This is known as what? A tawbah al-kathibah This is known as the liar's repentance this is known as what the liar's repentance. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam. Allah taala by the nafs of the Quran forgave him. He has no sin. Salallahu alayhi sallam. The word "them" here is used metaphorically. For those choices of good deeds that there may have been another deed that's more optimal to do. Even those things, he used to take them on himself as a sin, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as if they're a sin, even though they're not a sin. And still he used to make tawbah for them. Over a hundred times in the day, the one with no sin. Over seventy times in a day, over a hundred times in a day. He used to make tawbah, he used to make istighfar sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our sins he used to make istighfar for, he used to make tawbah for. Allah Ta'ala says in his book, lahum. Seek forgiveness for them or don't seek forgiveness for them. Who? For the munafiqun. Even if you were to seek forgiveness for them a hundred times in a day, I would not forgive them, Allah Ta'ala says. He said, if I knew, if I knew making istighfar more than a hundred times in the day would have garnered the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala for a munafiq, I would have done so, except for I know Allah Ta'ala, what He's trying to say by this ayah is no amount you do is going to help. Sayyidina Abu Bakr رضي الله تعالى عنه Sayyidina Umar رضي الله تعالى عنه. The one about whom Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم Said if there were to be a Nabi after me It would have been Umar That Umar رضي الله anhu, عنه he, he he feared that he would end up in the fire The awliya and the saliheen To this day they cry and they weep They weep when they remember their sins And they remember the day of judgment That day in which even the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasam Are going to have problems and are going to have, have tension, have stress with regards to that thing, that shortcoming they have in their account with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we do what? We assume we got it made. It's taken care of. No big deal. We are people of mashallah abilities. We are people of the ability of quantitative analysis. Quantitative analysis means what? You know how many years you spent of your life learning math, science, English, algebra all of these things i love algebra i love calculus you know why algebra was invented anyone here know why in the muqaddama he writes in his muqaddama why did he write this book the the, the uh, his, his book on algebra which is a primer based all algebra is afterward based on his primer just like all geometry is based on the uh, on the uh, book of euclid right all algebra is based on his primer afterward you know what he wrote in his muqaddama why uh, uh, why he wrote algebra? Why he Why he wrote this book? He starts it with a khutbah. Alhamdulillah, rabbil Alamin, wassal. Who here knows algebra? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Mashallah, mashallah. Everybody know algebra, Mashallah. If you don't know, know algebra, how are you going to get a job and show your face in front of a, a, someone in the community and like be able to marry their daughter? Your 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 Nasa will literally go extinct if you don't know algebra. You'll become like a dinosaur. You could be the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Your entire race is buried in the tar pits. It's never going to come back. Except for some weird statue in the Pittsburgh airport, if anyone's been there before. <laughs> right? You're out. You know why the algebra you rose your hand was written? It was written to teach people how to divide the the mirafi. He literally says this how to divide the inheritance according to Shahrah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Guess what? Who here knows how to divide a Sharia inheritance if I tell someone, someone dies, has three grandmothers, and like, A son, how are you gonna divide the inheritance? Who here, raise your hand, go ahead. There must be somebody. (laughs) Who? Right? What is this? Where did this come from? What where did this come from? Why is it that we believe that what? We abandoned the entire Ilm of the Deen, the entire from iqra to uh, uh, to what uh, uh, from the first ayah that's revealed unto the uh, uh, last ayah uh, Why is it that we feel like we can abandon the entire Deen of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, both in his knowledge and its application? And because we're from a certain country, or because we wear like a fancy Jalaba or have a, a fancy Sibha. I sell Sibhas. I tell people, by the way, I sell some really nice Sibhas. If someone wants one, like handmade, hand polished, I tell them. I said, look, that Sibha is really nice. It has no guarantee you have any relationship between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just a piece of art and craft. Okay? It's just a piece of fine craft. guarantees no relationship between you and the Lord. Why is it that we believe that because we have all of these trappings, because my name is Muhammad and Khalid and Abdullah and Fatima and Zainab and uh, 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 Maryam, that we're somehow going to Jannah? What is it about having a beard or even praying the outward form of the Salat that makes us special and makes everybody else, because they're not doing it because of that, we somehow look at them and say, yes, alhamdulillah, they're going to Jahannam, we're not going to Jahannam, inna lillahi wa inna raji'un. What is that? It's not funny, it's not a joke, it's not something to laugh at. Wallah, our, our forefathers, our forebears in Islam didn't used to laugh about these things. This is something very serious. We have this thing for some reason or another, there are certain bida'at that have crept into our deen. Generally speaking, nowadays, when you hear someone say the word bida'at in the masjid, they usually say it's about something that's not really a bida'at, it's just a difference of opinion. Does someone wipe their face with the, with, you know with their hands after they make dua or not? Does someone say ameen out loud or not? Did they raise their hand one time? Did they raise their hand a bunch of times? These are not bid'ah. These are not reprehensible innovations in the deen. These are differences of opinion between the fuqaha, the sahaba radiallahu anhu used to hold these differences of opinion. They come from that time until this time. This is not what a bid'ah is. A bid'ah is changing something from the ibadat or from the aqa'id of Islam. From the, acts of, the ritual acts of worship or from the beliefs of Islam. And one of the changes that has happened in the belief of Islam is for some reason the Sahaba whom are praying the entire night, praying half the night, praying a third of the night, praying a quarter of the night, asking Allah Ta'ala, forgive me, forgive me. And they're the ones who fear that they're going to go to Jahannam. They're the ones who sacrifice everything they have. They're the ones that weep at night and forgive one another when the day, day breaks, when the dawn breaks and when the day rises. They're the ones that used to remove conflicts of interest from their life. Every one of our children, إِلَّا مَنْ Every one of our children except for the khas few exceptions to the rule. The istithna this is the Usuli principle. That the exception doesn't teach you anything about the rule. Right? Tell me something. Is it haram harami pork? Is it? Yes. Yeah, so what if you're starving? What if you're going to die? Then is it haram harami pork? No. But does that... See, pork's not really haram, is it? No. It's an exception to the rule. Is it it permissible to bow in front of an idol? Absolutely not. Not only is it haram, it's kufr. When someone puts a gun to your head? See, it's not really haram and it's not really kufr to bow. It it is. Just because a rule has an exception doesn't mean that the rule is any any less valid or teaches you anything less. In fact, exception is the thing that doesn't teach you anything. The exception is a thing that doesn't teach you anything. The rule itself is mahfouz, it's protected, it's, it's completely, it's intact, it's undimmed, and it's uh, uh, un, un, undiluted by the fact that an exception exists. By the fact that an exception exists. Now why is it that other people, the other people, the people who Rasulullah Wasallam testified were the best of this ummah? the best of generations is my generation then the one who comes after it then the ones that comes after it these are people who constantly worked hard for their dunya they're constantly people who worked hard for their akhirah they're people who they, they they gave everything that they had for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then even after seeing the help of Allah ta'ala literally seeing miracles manifested at their hands they used to fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this may not be accepted from me and the ones that the ones that that are al qurun, the ones that are the most evil of generations. That one age will not come, except for it will be uh, another one will come after that's, that's more filled with evil than it that. The sharrur qurun, we feel like we have everything made. Everything is like completely in the bag, in the basket for us, for whatever reason. If this is a, if this isn't a bid'ah, I don't know what is. If this isn't a bid'ah, I don't know what is. This worry and concern regarding a person's deen, this worry and concern regarding a person's akhirah, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it's a hadith narrated by, by Abdullah bin Mas'ud, Radiullah Ta'ala anhu no less. Right? The one who Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sudu shatala shah shataradenikumu shah shah shatarad deen ibni umi abdo kama fala alay salaatu sala. Take half of your deen from this Abdullah bin Mas'ud. From this Abdullah bin Masood, he's the one who narrates, سَمِعْتُ نَبِيَّكُمْ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولُ I heard your Nabi, صلى الله عليه وسلم, say, مَنْ جَعَلَ Humuma, هَمَّنْ وَاحِدًا هَمَّا آخِرَتِهِ كَفَاهُ اللَّهُ بِهِ هُمُومَ دُنْيَاهُ The one who makes all of their worries and all of their concerns into the worry and into the concern of their akhirah. Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of all of their worries in this dunya. The one who makes all of their worries and concerns into what? One worry, one concern, the worry and concern of their akhirah, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala will take care of all of their worries and concerns. So all of our kids, if you ask them, what do you want to do? Birthday? what do you want to do? Toledo, Gab, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, what do, you do? What's, your, what's your career choice? Physician. Allah, physician, everybody wants to be a physician, everyone wants to be a doctor. Everybody wants to be a doctor, why? Like you, all of them want to help people. Right? <laughs> right? Yes, yes. Like you, all of them want to help people. And Allah Ta'ala knows who wants to do what. One of the sunnahs of Rasulullah sallallahu is what? He said he used to remove conflicts of interest in his life. He used to what? He used to remove conflicts of interest in his life. Conflict of interest is like, a, you know, it's like, that doesn't sound like a word that we usually use in in like, you know, dean-related discussions or dean-related discourse, it's more like a, like a legal-type term, you know, someone, maybe Shafari works and uses it at work in his documents or whatever, no conflict of interest clause or whatever, as if people who sign those actually have no conflicts of interest, right? What does it mean? It means you're supposed to be doing something to help people, but it so happens you're also becoming rich in the process. That's called what? Conflict of interest, right? I'm going to be become president, but I'm still gonna run all my companies. Right? I'm going to hold my meetings in my club and my, you know, like promote my brand and everyone should go out and buy Ivanka bracelets. I'm I'm going to do it too. I'm going to Nordstrom.com right after this ban and I'm going to buy a bracelet from Nordstrom. Right? Someone's ashamed. Don't talk about politics and the message will lose our 501c3. It's not politics. It has nothing to do with politics. At least it shouldn't. Right? So what? What is a conflict of interest? Rasulullah sallam, he used to remove conflicts of interest. People say, "Well, people just use religion to dominate other people. They use religion to make money, right?" Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, You will not, you will not uh, attain piety, and righteousness until you spend from that which you love." Who here has heard this ayah before? You've only heard it in what? In a fundraiser. <laughs> And the one who's up there saying this ayah to you, it's their cause that he uses it for. So when TC or IEDB or ABCD or EFG, any of them are having a fundraiser, لن, 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 uh, uh, you, you will not attain piety. You will not attain righteousness until what? Until you give from that which you love. Right? But wait. The other next masjid down the road, when they want to come to this masjid and raise money? No, brother, sorry, we have a policy. It's the same Allah Ta'ala whose house that you read the ayah for, it's the same Allah's house down the road. Sorry, we have a we have a policy. This is called what? This is called a conflict of interest. You know when this ayah was revealed. When this ayah was revealed, by the way, from the way I'm talking, you guys can guess how much you know I get paid for these bands. From this, from the way this ayah was revealed, the the the, the, the occasion of its revelation, what happened? What was the story of it? What happened when this, this ayah was revealed was that Abu Talha, who was the richest from the Ansar, he was the stepfather of Sidna, Anas bin Malik ta'ala anhu. He wanted to marry Anas bin Malik's mother, and he was a kafir, he was a Muslim. She says, "Well, I'll never marry a mushrik, ever. He's like, what? He's just a dude who lives in Medina, and he's in love with a woman, right? So he doesn't know what all the shirk and all this other stuff is. So he, she heard that Anas bin Malik's mother is like really like respects this uh, person who's coming from Mecca, right? So he's like, I'll go talk to him, maybe we can figure out what's going on. So Rasulullah tells him about the deen, and he's like, Yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's, that's reasonable. So he says, La ilaha illallah, and then he goes and proposes marriage to her to get married. What would we do now? We're all, all going to be judgmental. Oh, so and so just converted so he could get married to whatever sister, right? So and so sister, her husband just converted so they could get married, right? Come on, man. what a joke. When you, you became Muslim out of conviction, you were at home one day reading the Quran and started crying and all of this stuff, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to give up sin and all this stuff. You just became Muslim because your mummy daddy, like bought you eat presents when you were a kid. That's all, right? So don't, don't act like one person is better than another person. You want to know who's Islam was is sincere? That, that, that Abu Talha, he was the most wealthy man of the Ansar. Umm Sulaim, the mother of Anas bin Malik, said, no, I'm not going to marry a He became Muslim. She said, okay, I'll marry you. He was the one when this ayah that you will not attain uh, righteousness until you spend from that which you love. He was the one who says, Ya yeah, Rasulullah, the best of my property, the most beloved of my property, there's a certain orchard that's right across from the masjid of the Prophet wasallam. The best fruit uh, uh, of, of Medina came from that orchard and the best well in all of Medina because when you have wells, each of them, the water tastes different, right? The water tastes different in the city of Detroit. It tastes different in Farmington. Right? It tastes different than Flint. Don't taste the water in Flint. (laughs) Right? Obviously, obviously, the water in Lansing is different than the water in Flint. Otherwise, Flint wouldn't have happened if they had to drink the same water. Right? So what? The the, the best well in all of Medina, it was for it was from what? From that orchard of his.
1: What's even better than that?
0: It's even better icing on the cake. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He used to like visiting that garden Said that Abu Talha radiallahu anhu Used to invite him He would sit there And he liked the water from that garden So what did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? Oh, Jazakallah khair, that's good See his Quran and you did it And just go and sign the papers over I'll give you a tax receipt And it's, that's, it's for the masjid It's for the masjid, right? It's for the masjid No Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He says Bakhin, Bakhin, Thalika malun rabihun Thalika malun rabihun Wow, 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 amazing, how amazing. You have, you have uh, uh, gained a profit on your, on your transaction. You've gained a profit on your transaction. This is a very profitable deal that you did. He says that, he says that my opinion is that you take this, this garden and that you distribute its proceeds, right? The, the fruit that's grown from it every year, you distribute its proceeds to all of your, all of your relatives that are not wealthy. Meaning what? Did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa use the deen to further his own personal goal? No. What if the, what it was the, if the mal was given to the Prophet sallallahu no one would have asked a question about it. It didn't go to him. Did he take it for the masjid? It's for the cause of Islam, right? But he's the one running it, right? Absolutely not. Why? Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa used to remove conflict of interest from his life. Rasulullah wasallam tell me how much money from zakat did he eat in his lifetime? Absolutely zero. How much did his family eat from zakat? Zero. Absolutely zero. Absolutely zero. His relatives, not just his living relatives, his relatives from Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib, according to Imam al-Shafi'i, until the day of judgment, it is haram for them to eat from the money of zakat. He himself went even one step further for himself. He made it haram for himself to eat from the money of Salman al Farsi, there's a long story about him. I wrote an article about him. You might find it on the internet somewhere if you, if you uh, Google like, Salman Farsi. I don't remember where it's posted, but it's posted in, in a couple of places. Salman al Farsi, he was the son of the high priest of the, the, the Iranian. Uh, Zoroastrian religion, the imperial cult of Zoroastrianism, the imperial like official re- state religion of Sassanian Iran. His father was the high priest, and he saw that they used to tell people that this is the eternal fire. You worship it, go and worship it during the day, and it always burns. And when the temple would close at night time, what would they do? They'd extinguish the fire and they'd start it up the next day. So he saw, he saw it's a lie. So he said, I can't believe in this. And so what happened is he accepted, he accepted Christianity at the hands of some kind of dissident, underground people who carried the deen of Sayyidina Isa A.S. to uh, uh, Madain, to Tisfun, the imperial capital of the Sustanian Empire. His father found out about it and he jailed him in the dungeon of the house, he jailed him, he wasn't allowed to come and go. One day he had a chance to escape, what did he do? He escaped, he found the nearest person of knowledge from the Nasara that he could attach himself to, so he could learn about the deen and do his service. Like that, for decades, he went from one place to another place to another place to another place. What did he do? Everywhere he did service. He said, some of the, some of the priests and some of the monks that I served were righteous people. Some of them, they were stashing money, stashing money. He said, one of them, when he, when he died, when he was on his deathbed, he felt remorse. He said, I've been stashing money for myself for, for so many years. Go to so-and-so place and you'll find some money that I stashed. Take it out and return it to the church. They found literally hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of silver and gold coin that this person has been stashing. So he was what? He was like he knows Allah is and his and and and, and His are Hak, and that human beings are fallible. He didn't let this shake his Iman. He then kept looking for 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 sincere people to serve. Finally, what happens is that the last the last a uh, a uh, 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 monk that he serves. He tells him, the Nabi of Akhirul Zaman, the Nabi of the end of time is going to come to the Arabian Peninsula. Go, there's a place called Tema in the Arabian Peninsula. I think you'll find him over there. I think you'll find him over there amongst the Jews because Tema was a settlement of the Jews just like Medina Munawala was. And on the way there, the caravan that was carrying him, it it, it, it shackled him and and treacherously shackled, shackled him and chained him up and sold him as a slave. He was going to the wrong place. He was going to Tayma, right? He should wanted to go to Medina. He was going to Tayma. They they shackled him up and they uh, sold him as a slave where where Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi was going. Why? Because the sincerity of his, the sincerity of his what? His desire for Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure, his sincerity for desire of serving Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alaihi meeting the Lita with Rasul sallallahu alaihi because of the sincerity in that, Allah ta'ala took him. This monk told him, how are you going to recognize, uh, how am I going to recognize the, the Prophet He said, the way you'll recognize him is two. One is he has the seal, there's a, there's a circular uh, piece of raised skin that will be between his two shoulder blades. It will be the seal, every Nabi has this like, mark on him. And the second thing is you'll see that he will eat a gift. If you give him a gift, he'll consume a gift, but he's not going to consume the money of sadaqah. So imagine he's seeing all of these people that he's serving one after the other, and many of them are hoarding money, and many of them are cool with the conflicts of interest. And he'll see the Prophet ﷺ, that he, he's not going to do this. So imagine this Salman of when Pharisee, when he hears that Rasulullah ﷺ is coming, he as a slave takes a day off. It's not easy. He takes a day off, and he goes to see Rasulullah ﷺ. And then what does he do? He has some dates that he saved up, As a slave, this is not an easy thing to do, by the way. This is like, maybe this tray of dates is like his entire life savings. So he takes it to Rasulullah ﷺ and he gives it to him. And he says, and Rasulullah ﷺ asks, what is it? Is it Is it a gift or is it sadaqah? He says it's sadaqah. He gives it to other people he doesn't take from it. It literally takes him months before he can save that many dates again and get a day off again as a slave. And he comes to Rasulullah ﷺ and he does the same thing, but this time he says it's a gift. Rasulullah sallallahu still he doesn't take the whole thing so that's it's a gift, it's mine now, no conflict of interest. Even then, sallallahu what does he do? He takes some of it because it's the sunnah of the Prophet. ﷺ. By the way, if someone gives you a gift, if someone gives you clothing, you should wear it in front of them. If someone gives you perfume, you should put it put it on in front of them. This is the sunnah of the Prophet. ﷺ. You should treat the gift with honor. If Allah gives you something, you should also. You should, he wants to see the athar of his ni'mah on you. You don't, have to live like a, you don't have to live like a monkey yourself. Take some of it, use some of it out of shukr to Allah Ta'ala, the rest of it, if you want to give for sadaq or do something with it, you can do it. So what did he do? He took a little bit of it and then he ate with his companions sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Then Salman al tharsi walks behind him and he's trying to like look, peek at his back and Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam let his shirt down a little bit and he saw the seal of prophethood and he accepted Islam. Now tell me something, this Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. what did he do? He went out of his way. He went out of his way to what? Reduce conflict of interest. Reduce what? Conflict of interest in his deen with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way he transacts with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do we do? Until I'm getting paid, I magically uh, don't have any interest in doing any service. Until I'm on the board, until I'm elected for something, I magically have no interest in doing any service until my name is out front, until I get Twitter retweets and Facebook likes and shares until any until I get some my picture with somebody or for somebody. I, I have no I mean it's my my amount of motivation to do something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes dramatically and at times dramatically decreased. Dramatically and at times dramatically decreased. Whereas this is the money in the bank, this is the most secure investment that sadaqa that a person gives that the right hand is giving, the left hand doesn't that doesn't know about. It's so secret that the right hand gives and the left hand doesn't know about. Did you not know that huっぱ-riyasa is a sin? Did you not know that the love of leadership is a sin? Did you not know that the love of leadership and the covetousness of leadership is a sin? It is haram, just like eating pork is haram. It is haram like zina is haram. It is haram like consuming intoxicants and smoking weed is haram. Did you not know that it's a sin? That Nabi sallallahu said, whoever seeks this affair of leadership from us, we don't give it to that person. Did you not know Sayyidina Umar Anhu, when people came to take Bay'a with him as Amir al mumineen he didn't stand for an election, Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu wa who called him out. Sayyidina Abu Bakr adiallahu a who called him out. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu himself in the saqifa Banu Sa'ida, when the Ansar are discussing which one of ourselves are we going to make the Amir? Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq stands up and gives a, a long speech that you know the Arabs are not going to accept in a mere acceptance from Quraysh. If you want what's best for Islam, then you'll remember the pledge of allegiance you took from Rasulullah. wa وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَى انفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ Allah Ta'ala praises the Ansar ta'ala, in his book. He said, these are the people, they prefer others over themselves, even though dire poverty is their own lot, they'll still give to other people before they'll take themselves. From amongst them there was the one who has two wives and says to his brother from the muhajirin, which one of them do you like? I'll divorce that one, and you can marry her after her idda. And the the, the muhajir says to him, may Allah put barakah in your wealth and in your family, this is how much they used to love one another. They remembered that, they said, you're right. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq at that moment said, this Omar, this is the one that we should take bayah with him. Sayyidina Omar says, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. This Abu Bakr, of course he's not going to put himself forward. He's the one who was the second with Rasulullah when they were in the cave. He's the one who was, who was the one whose iman is unshakable. He's the first one who accepted Islam. He's the one who should take bayah from him. Everyone went and took bayah from him. When's the last time we as a group Right? We rag on the message board a lot. When's the last time in MSA we did that? The two people are running for MSA president. We start young, mashallah. We start so young. Yeah. You know? We, mashallah, middle school MSA. When's the last time two people are running for MSA and one gives a rousing speech that everyone's captivated and coveted by, captivated by that speech and says, this Yasser make him president instead of me. <laughs> and then Yasser says, no, make him president against instead of me. And that's how that person... Be, doesn't happen. Why? Because this is a bid'ah it's coming to the aqidah. This is a bid'ah it's coming to the aqidah because we don't know how to separate conflict of interest from our practice of the deen. We only like it when it's good for the nafs. When the nafs is like, uh, I don't think I like this anymore then we don't, we're we all of a sudden dramatically less interested in serving the deen even though Rasulullah ﷺ gave training to the sahaba عنهم, when you feel this pinch when you feel this pressure on your own nafs and then you know. Then you know it's like a juice of sincerity is being squeezed out of you. That cup you'll drink from it, Yomutiyama, in Jannah forever, in the Ridwan, in the Na'im of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That anonymous, that anonymous thing. What is going to be the one that will make Jannah wajib on you? What is it? Isba'hu mudhu'i al-makarih. Making wudu, painting the wudu on your limbs when it's cold outside, when it's difficult for you to do so, when it's hard for you to do so, it causes you taklif to do it. Right? It's baqul wudu al makari. When you have to walk back and forth from the masjid and it's so far away from your home and you have to do a lot of steps to do it. Mashallah, we, we don't go to the masjid and we're all uh, 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 trying to go on like keto diet and Atkins diet and go to the gym and like mashallah, wear out the, uh, the treadmill and the, the orbit machine because some of us are so big our knees start to hurt when we exercise and we're whatever للمساجد, that was, the, that was the, 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 the exercise plan of the awliya and it still is to this day الصلاة الصلاة. and waiting in the masjid from one salat is done and then you wait for the next salat in the masjid but what? why do we do that? because there are people in every masjid that do that by the way and what do we do? we look at this person is a loser maybe they don't have anything better to do maybe they don't have anything better to do Maybe they don't know English so well. And so like this whole namaz thing is their, that's their salat, that's their thing. Right? Maybe they have like some sort of mental illness or some debilitating thing in their life. I don't even know the guy. You, nobody, people all know the person. You can probably look around and see who the person is. You probably don't even know what their name is. Nobody bothers to ask the name of those people. You know who that person is? That person is the one Rasulullah describes him. Uh, رُبَّ أَشْعَثَ أَغْبَرَ لَوْ أَخْصَنَ عَلَى اللَّهِ لَأَبَرَّهُ How many a time is there a disheveled person? Dusty person. He has such a high maqam with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he was to swear an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala would take it upon himself to make that oath come true. It's not gonna happen. Allah takes it upon himself to make that oath come true just because this person did it. That's how much Allah ta'ala loved that person. Trust me, Allah ta'ala's love is the only thing that will get us through this. Mujahada, fighting against yourself, it's the only way that you're going to earn the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said what? He said that the Jannah is is the veil, the hijab of the, 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 the Jahannam is the shahawat the things you like. Beautiful people, beautiful clothing, money, job, people respecting you, their heads turning in a good way when you walk by Right? In the, the hijab of, of Jannah is what? Al-makaleh Waking up when nobody's looking You're not going to get a Facebook like for that You're not going to get a retweet for it Maybe you could be like Oh, I woke up from Fajr So difficult, LOL now you're not, you know what? A, people will know how disingenuous you are if you do that, and B, even if you do get like retweets for it, it's not going to be. You instinctively know it's pointless to do. But guess what? These little things, these silent difficulties that we go through because of iman, because of our faith in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, for the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, these are the things that built for us, build for us a maqam with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. These are the things, when we do them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will keep you, Allah ta'ala will preserve you. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was such a man, they, a book can be written about them, half a dozen people who accepted Islam on the way to kill him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is such a person, the sahaba radiallahu sallam, are such people. Books can be, read, can be written about people who just saw them and accepted Islam. Every generation from that generation until this generation. well, there's a brother, he's in a state, I don't want to name it because maybe you guys will meet him one day or whatever, he may be embarrassed, I don't know if I have the, the permission to, to tell the story, right? Let me tell you, when Allah loves you, what does He do for you? Okay, there's a brother, he himself he uh, accepted Islam when he was in high school. And so he went to go and study deen in, a, in one of the Muslim countries, and he stayed with his Sheikh for a couple of years. And he married in that country, and he brought his wife back to America, who was his wife? His wife was, her, her father was European and her mother was like local from that country. So the father who's from a European country, his story was what? His story was that his girlfriend broke up with him, like in the 70s. Okay, She broke up with him in the 70s, he spiraled into depression, he's not a Muslim at this point. He spiraled into depression and he's like, almost like borderline suicidal maybe. And so his friend says to them, you know what, you got to snap out of this, it's not worth it. Let's take your mind off of it, we'll take a, a motorcycle trip through Africa. It's like an adventurous thing to do, you'll see exotic places, you'll get your mind off of it, whatever. So they go to, they go to what? They go like through like Morocco and through all these different countries of Africa from, from Europe. And by the time they get to the village that the sheikh is in, they happen to get to that village, what does he do? He accepts Islam, he says, the Shaykh is a very manawar person, I want to stay with him and, and learn from him and whatever. So his friend, he leaves and he just stays there for many years. So he goes, he learns Arabic, he learns, uh, he learns fiqh, he learns uh, uh, apidah, he learns all of these things. And he works a job and he sustains himself, he gets married to a, a local uh, uh, woman and he has a family, etc. And so when his kids get a little bit older, he asks the sheikh. he says, you know, Shaykh is very difficult, this is a very pious man this uh, brother was telling me my father-in-law, he actually had cancer and it, it's not a rich country in Africa by the way, it's a very like, poor country he said he had to go to the capital and get chemo- chemotherapy, there's only one hospital in the entire country that had chemotherapy he said that he used to literally uh, hide his uh, uh, IV bag inside of his stove and uh, go walk to the masjid for Juma and walk back because they told him that you can't go uh, you can't go for go for Juma, and that's how much love you had. even though in the Sharia there's relaxation you have Permission to miss Jummah if you're like getting chemo, right? Because it's it's an it's like a life or death issue. So what happens is this 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 uh, brother, he after a while he asks the sheikh for permission. He says that look, I have a family. It's difficult to make ends meet. Can I go back to my country in Europe, work for a couple of months in the year, gain enough money to uh, to spend for the rest of the year, and then come back and spend it with my country and like learn Deen and like you know whatever do. Whatever, uh, zikr and things like that that he wanted to do. So the Sheikh gave him permission. So he went back to his country, and guess who was one of the first people that he met? Guess. It was a girlfriend who dumped him. Oh wow, it's interesting seeing you after so long. What have you been up to? Well, I went to Africa and this, and then I became a Muslim, and blah blah blah, the other thing, the other thing, and now I came back to work to support my family. Oh really, that's really amazing. Guess who ended up becoming the second wife? Guess who ended up becoming, that woman who dumped him in Kufr, she ended up becoming a second wife in Islam. I'm telling you something, you, you, most of the people in this room, you don't even have like, the guts to even like, mention the story to your wife when you get home. Okay? I, I'm already like, he's giving them bad ideas, don't invite him back. And this is not a suggestion for anyone to do anything. I'm just saying what? Weird, strange ways, this is like something unbelievable. Somebody told you that like a mountain got up and moved to another place, you you could believe them. Someone told you that like something like this happened, you're like, what, really? I don't know. You go meet the guys You don't believe me, right? These things happen. These things, wallahi, these things happen. We meet all sorts of people, I meet all sorts of people, I met them at some point, I meet them again at the masjid, I didn't know you're a Muslim, yeah I accepted this. These things happen, they're what? They're the fruit of the, the, the ikhlas of a believer, they're the fruit of the sincerity of a believer when somebody, Allah Ta'ala loves them, they do things for the love of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And look at the other side. Tell me from the Sahaba radiAllahu Anhum, which one of them was, was able to perform surgery. Tell me one of them who was able to build a bridge. Well, they didn't even have enough technology to make a building. The Prophet ﷺ's own masjid was built from unbaked mud bricks. And it had they lacked the technology even to make a proper ceiling on the building. There was shade, but there was no roof on the building. What building survived to our day from the time of Rasulullah ﷺ or his companions? I'll tell you a, a building, some buildings that survived. If you go to Sham, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give help to its people. The Jamia Umawiyah, it was built in the, the, the Ahad of the Sahaba. If you look at it, it's built in the style of a Greek Orthodox Church. Why? Because Greek people had to build it because the, Muslim, the Sahaba, Qurun, the best of generations, my generation, they lacked the technology even to make a building at that time. But guess, guess which, which generation is the honored generation and which one walks amongst the nations of the earth hated and despised by people. Those people through their sincerity, they're respected. Us, with all of our doctors, with all of our money, with our Teslas, with our Lexuses, with our Benzes, with our BMWs, with our PhDs, with our master's degree. That's what what we protest in the news, the Huffington Post, oh look, Muslims are, we love peace and we have so many PhDs and we have so many this, we have so many that. You know what, they know, they look at us, they say, "We we live like reptiles. We're just there to eat the next person in order to make a buck. And you know what, you guys are just like that. In fact, you're even better at it than us. They're like crocodiles and we become like dinosaurs.
1: Are they gonna love us for
0: that? Absolutely not. Are they gonna love us for that? Absolutely not. How are people going to, how are we gonna get through the predicament that we're in? How are we gonna get? By making more doctors? I guess maybe. How are we gonna get through it? We try it out I guess. I mean, that's what it looks like we're gonna try out, right? How are we gonna get through this predicament? By having good politicians and then we can elect people to the Congress and they'll make it happen. By the, the people who are in Congress right now already, they're like in jail. They're like monkeys in jail. They themselves don't know what to do. They're in such a bizarre situation right now. Right? How are we going to.? By having more uh, films in Hollywood that depict Muslims in a good light. What does that mean? Right? What is it? Right? It's like, whatever, mashallah, like, Muslim actor, he's like, yes, terrorist number four, I got the job. Right? Even if you get like a good. No, but there's this one, like, sympathetic Muslim number two, you know? Who's not a terrorist, like hijab sister number two. I say, no, don't do that. And when like, the other like, five Muslims in the acting in the, in the movie are like blowing something up, she's like, no, because I, in, I'm moderate. I drink beer. Right? My boyfriend, he's not a Muslim either, right? What, what is that, is that, that going to do for us? These things are all what? These things are all flash in the bag types of tricks. okay? This is not the Tartib of Nubuwa. This is not the Tartib of what? This is not the way you do things according to what? According to Revelation. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and his sahaba didn't win people's hearts. They didn't win people to la ilaha illallah in this way. They didn't win people to la ilaha illallah in this way. That's just looking at the dunya. yom al-Qiyamah, all of this stuff is going to be bankruptcy. There is a thing, this is the reason I wanted to give this talk and I selected this topic. That we have this idea that somehow the ideal life is a life of ease. Even though Allah Ta'ala says in his book, "Do you think you'll say, La ilaha illallah, and you'll be left alone without being tested. All of the people before you, all of the people who came before you, all of them were tested. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his ahadith, his Allah Ta'ala says, وَجَاهِدُ فِي اللَّهِ Struggle in the path of Allah Ta'ala, as it is right that you should struggle. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, it's just Amma, mashallah, all of you should know it. The one who rebelled, the one who was deviant, who was twisted, and, and preferred the life of this world over the next, right? What is going to be the eternal abode? Blazing pit of fire. And the person who feared the day he's going to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala and said no to his nafs when it wanted something. Which means what? Whoever is telling you Islam is easy, that person is selling you snake oil. Whoever tells you Islam is easy is selling you snake oil. He's putting you to sleep before you're going to get slaughtered. You know what they do that? They stun animals. The chickens they dip them, Hafsa,? Right? They dip them in the, in the electrified water, so they just stop moving around. They have a pneumatic stunner, they hit the cow in the head, and it has like a, a blank cartridge, like a 22 cartridge in it. Some of them even heavier cartridges, they pop the uh, animal in the head with the pneumatic stunner and it just kind of falls down. What are they doing? Pop, popping you in the head with the stunner so that it makes it all the easier for you to, to get taken out. And guess what? It's a message that sells. It's a message that sells. Why? Because who wants who wants a crazy-looking guy, big turban, looks like God knows from what Katie came out of, come to come to your message from God knows where to tell you all of these things that you're going to have to you're going to have to lose sleep at night. You're going to have to spend from that what you love. You're going to have to you know some some of you if you want to help people maybe instead of becoming a doctor you're going to want to become a a nurse or a, a medical uh, administrator. Maybe some some of you will have to accept that your sons will become ulama. Right? This knowledge will be carried from every generation to the next, the best of it. And those are the ones their job is to do what? Their job is to negate from it the spurious interpolations of the extremists and the uh, 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 improper misappropriations of the people of falsehood and the idle conjecture of the people of ignorance. Some of you are going to have to be like, yeah, my son, I want you to be the best of this ummah, even if that means what? Oh, yeah, my daughter, I want you to be from the best of this ummah, even if that means you're not going to make six figures. If it means you're not going to drive a Mercedes Benz, if it means that you're not going to be able to boast in front of our other loser uh, relatives. You're not supposed to call your relatives losers, but you know what I mean. Somebody who's going to a place that there's no benefit in, what are they? If they're not winning, if they're not doing something productive, you see they're going toward a, a path that's not going to help them in the day of judgment. What are they? Right? You don't have to be mean, but being nice doesn't mean that you also you know, check your brain in at the door and don't see where things are going and what's happening around us. Brothers and sisters, you will the wonderful thing is what? Right? You have the story of you want to talk about sacrifice. Who sacrifice? Who sacrifice? What's who does sacrifice? What time of year do you sacrifice? <laughs> Eid al-Adha, mashallah. It's a very yummy sacrifice, mashallah. Right? <laughs> so who sacrifices that? Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. Allah Ta'ala asked Sayyidina Ibrahim for a sacrifice, right? What was the what was the, the sacrifice he asked him for? To slaughter his son, right? Allah Ta'ala asked him for it and he he said, yes, I'll do it for you. Did Allah Ta'ala take it from him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Allah Ta'ala did not take it from him. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala asks from every... This is the sunnah of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala asks from every single one of us. And generally, all he wants to see, the the only change that happens, what is tawbah, what is all of these states, ikhlas, all of these states that we talk about, they're all states inside of the heart. They're not something that you pay $100 and then you're done with it. They just stayed inside of your heart. The distance that you have to cover in order to attain these goals is the distance between you and yourself. That's all. So what he was ready to sacrifice, Allah accepted it from him and it's done, job done. What we need to do is instead of looking forward to this dream of just living in ease and like, oh, everybody's gonna love us, our neighbor's gonna be like, oh, Islam means peace, give me a hug. Instead of this thing that we're gonna just like... You know, and maybe I'll just tell them, yeah, like, you know, this one part of the deen you don't like, you know, my wife doesn't have to wear hijab, don't worry about it. You know? We're moderate, we're moderate Muslims. Oh, like they're going to be like, oh, she doesn't wear hijab, you're moderate, now we accept you. It doesn't work like that. Really, it doesn't work like that. Once they see that you're for sale, then they'll just start negotiating the price lower and lower at that time. That's all it is. If you're not for sale, then they'll be like, okay, we gotta deal with this person differently. Once they see you're for sale, they'll say, you know what, Uh, throw in your wife's hijab and uh, also drink with us as well. You know, they'll they'll just negotiate you lower and lower until your imam completely sells out. Brothers and sisters, what is the the thing we have to do in our heart? We have to do, it's A, the work is in our heart, and B, what is it? We have to accept, we have to love the idea that we will give something up for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to love the idea, we know it's difficult that we're going to suffer, we know it's difficult that we'll sacrifice, that's fine, nobody, nobody, normal people really don't like that and you're not expected to like it. But what you're expected to like is what? The idea that whatever I give for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, whatever He accepts from me, what He will give me is so much better, so much better what He's gonna give me in return, that I'm never going to say that I got a bum deal with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. That I'm never gonna say He took this away from me and oh look it's so horrible. Nobody transacts with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Except for what? Except for that that person always makes a profit. Allah Ta-A'la is Akramul Akramin. Allah ta'ala is the most the noble, of the, no, noble of the most generous of the generous. Nobody will transact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except for they come away with a, a bargain, with a deal that's worth doing again and again and again. This is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to every one of his. Creation. This is the promise of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. There's no nabi that, that 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 gave something for the sake of Allah in this world or in the hereafter. That that person will say, "You know what? Can I just go back to the dunya? It was nice over there." When they see the Jannah that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has prepared, nobody's going to say nobody. Nobody will say that Islam. He's not going to say, "Oh, you know what? That they, you know they had an alternative lifestyle. I'd rather live with them, except for rather than receive the help of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala." Nobody's going to say any of those things. This is what all we have to do is in our mind. Accept the fact that you know what I'm ready for sacrifice. I'm gonna lo- roll up my sleeves. I'm gonna put in for the, the long haul. I'm gonna cast my lot in with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and you know Allah Taala just like Sayyidina the Yusuf alayhi Salam from the well, he made it all the way to the top. Why? Because in Allah, لا Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will never waste the reward of a person who does things with ihsan, that does things beautifully with Him Jalla Wa That's all we have to accept. And if we fall short in the middle. Two steps forward, one step back. Just make tawbah and get back on the train. But the idea itself, just accept the idea itself that it's worth giving something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I wish I give something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that Allah ta'ala accept it from me. This idea is an idea that comes from what? The Prophet ﷺ and from the Sahaba anhum all the way until now. This is a good idea, we should embrace this idea, we should love this idea, we should transmit this idea to our loved ones, to our children, to our, our families, to our, uh, everyone who will listen to us. We should share this idea. If someone else sacrifices for the sake of Allah Taala, we should take them by the hand and say, you know what, you're not alone. You're not alone, you're sacrificing, I'm here sacrificing with you. I will help you out. I will be the one who holds your hand and be your partner in it. And we have to we have to learn to do these things in a way that breeds a class, it breeds sincerity with Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. Wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sallam.